Hello, welcome back to Muradas, and here's wishing you a happy and healthy 2021. My name is Laurie Blair, and this episode is all about the driest desert on the planet, so inhospitable that NASA uses it to test drive its Mars rovers. Surely nothing could survive in this extreme wasteland. Well, my guest today has demonstrated the complete opposite. Cristina Dorador is one of Chile's leading scientists, uh, known for her pioneering research into how the Atacama Desert, its rivers, harsh salt lakes and nearby Andean plateaus are in fact teeming with microscopic life. A microbial ecologist at the University of Antofagasta, the work of Cristina and her colleagues is not only transforming our understanding of this vast desert, it also holds groundbreaking potential for medical use and even the study of extraterrestrial life forms. But this is an environment that is fragile and under threat, not only from large-scale copper mining, but also increasingly the industrial extraction of lithium, the so-called miracle mineral which will help power the 21st century. Christina has joined forces with the indigenous peoples of the Atacama to help raise the alarm, and she's now running to be a member of the new assembly, which this year will rewrite Chile's Pinochet-era constitution, which privatised water itself. The movement she's part of uh, is calling for greater autonomy and resources to remain in northern Chile, which has long been treated as little, little more than a place of extraction and contamination by far-off Santiago. We're very grateful to Christina Dorador for her time. We hope you enjoy listening. Okay, so I'm uh, here joined uh, from uh, Antofagasta, Chile, uh, by Christina Dorador. Um, Christina, thanks for joining us. Um, so you're obviously a, a microbial ecologist and your work centers on the on the Atacama Desert uh, there in, in northern Chile. I wondered if you could just kind of give our listeners a bit of a, uh, um, a sort of backdrop as to, you know, what the Atacama is and, and, and why it's such a, what it's like and why it's such a kind of fascinating place to work. Hello, Lawrence. Thank you for the invitation to talk about Atacama, my favorite subject. <laughs> well, Atacama Desert is a, it's a very large desert located in northern Chile but also have some borders in southern Peru and, and Bolivia and Argentina. And what is it's a very special place, specifically because the high aridity is one of the, you can find there one of those places that basically never rains and it's all very little. So um, for, for many years, I have fascinated a lot of scientists uh, to, you know, to look for life in, in, uh, in this uh, arid ecosystem. But also, uh, it's a very heterogeneous place. You know, it's not only this hyperary desert. Also, you can find uh, lakes, uh, salares. I will talk later. Um, there is also the highlands of the of the Atacama Desert uh, near the Andes, the Altiplano, uh, where it's a, a lot of biodiversity. It's very endemic as well. Um, it's one of the hotspots of biodiversity in Chile. Um, for the other side, it's, it's very important as well the geology and the mineralogy, mineralogy, because uh, Chile as well is very well known for the uh, resources, you know, mineral resources, especially copper and lithium, and that's half an explanation. Uh, the, the geology is very important. It's not only it's a high concentration of minerals, also the very diverse. Basically, you can find here 
most of the periodic table. So it's have found very different minerals and uh, together also uh, microbial diversity linked to these minerals. So it's a, it's a very interesting link. Um, astrobiology is another very um, hot topic because uh, Atacama really looks like Mars. So NASA and other uh, agencies are, are very interested to come here and prove the, their devices and, and, and other tools that they usually send it to special missions. And as well, astronomy. You know, Atacama have one of the uh, cleanest skies of the world. So mm -hmm. here, probably in, in, the, in the future, in the future years, uh, Chile will have uh, the 70% of the total astronomical capacities of the planet just in one specific uh, place. So, you know, it's, it's a fascinating place. And also the story. Uh, history is a is, is very cool subject because uh, it's very linked as well to Europe and the UK. All, all, how, you know, the nitrate story uh, have filled not only the agriculture in, in, in Europe, but also a very important role in the, in the First and Second World War. So mm. it's, a, it's a very important uh, territory to, to investigate a different point of view. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess the, the image of this being a kind of, you know, arid wasteland, it, you know, a, a sort of periphery is, is, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. You know, what you're talking about there is this incredible diversity, the, the all these fascinating branches of science. And yeah, you know, you mentioned the the, astro the astro astronomical observatories there at um, Paranal and, and Alma, mm -hmm. you know, they're building I think what is going to be the world's largest telescope ever at the moment at, at, at Paranel. Yes, really large uh, e e e -L -T, yeah. Yeah, so it's fascinating to, to see that, you know, that there's, there's this connection between the Atacama and, and outer space as, uh, as well. And, and this is something which, 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 you know, your research has, has kind of looked into in, in particular, um, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think, you know, one of the areas you've looked at is, is the Salar de Atacama, which is obviously um, yeah, Chile's largest salt flat. Um, it's a lake which you know is many dozens, hundreds of times saltier than the sea. But you know, as you and your colleagues have shown, that this contains hundreds of species of, of microorganisms. Um, you know, so it's, it's incredibly um, rich kind of place for for life, and and that even has un, has implications for how we think about you know extraterrestri extraterrestrial life. I wonder if you could explain a bit more about about your mm -hmm work there finding these microbes finding these bacteria in such um extreme environments yeah my research field is called microbial ecology because uh, we are interested to study microorganisms in the environment uh, regarding their functions and also their diversity so um in Salaratacama specifically it's a place that uh, is um it's a hotspot of microbial diversity. It's possible to find lakes and, and, and lagoons with just microbial life. There's no other organisms, apparently. You know, of course, there are some invertebrates and others, but it's, it's, it's very amazing because most of the metabolism related with this bacteria are linked to photosynthesis. So uh, and those uh, organisms also produce very uh, bright pigments so it's possible to see like a purple mats or, or pink, yellow, of course, green for cyanobacteria. And, uh, and I hear sometimes some uh, touristic guys telling the, the tourists that, that that's are minerals. And I say, no, 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 they're not minerals, they're bacteria. <laughs> because people don't imagine that, you know, that, that that's gonna exist because they're invisible. 
yeah. is the most important barrier for, for the knowledge, you know, that, that people understand that there is life there, but it's invisible. And, and it's very important because if there no six exist, there's nothing else there. For example, flamingos is one of the most charismatic species that people come to Atacama sometimes specifically to, to, to see the flamingos in the natural habitat. And they are eating different things, invertebrates, but also they're eating direct, directly bacteria. That is something that we also have uh, investigated. Um, probably their the color as well is linked to for microbial pigments. Mm -hmm. And so in general, it's a very uh, diverse place yeah. and uh, dominated by microbial life. And of course, under, with this um, reason, we can imagine that everything is full of life. Sometimes more abundant, sometimes less abundant or less diverse. But in any places, it's possible just to test the question if there is life or not. So it's an, in another study, we analyzed the, the lithium brines. We will get access to some of the samples to, to see if, if effectively there is something living there. And, and there are there's many different species of bacteria and archaea living in the lithium brines. And mm -hmm. that is a new environment because it's a man-made environment. And it's, it's uh, very saline uh, in, in total. They have more than 500 grams per liter of salt dominated by lithium chloride. And there in the most uh, saline place on earth, probably there are some bacteria living. Wow. This is really, really amazing. That's incredible. So, so in these brines, which are artificially concentrated brines created by industrial lithium production, you're finding that even in these environments, there are microorganisms you know surviving and, and living and uh, that, that, that that's amazing and, and I've seen elsewhere at, 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 on the Salario de Huasco and the, in Parque Nacional Lauca you found thousands of species of bacteria which are kind of surviving by feeding on arsenic mm -hmm. and sulfur and iron I mean the, these sound like kind of a, sort of alien life forms and I, and I kind of wonder you know the, the, the layman might say, well, okay, so what, you know, what, what does, what does this mean for, for, for us? And, 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 and obviously beyond being fascinating in itself, what's the kind of, um, what are the implications of these discoveries? Mm -hmm. For a long time, people saw that in extreme environment, uh, only some few species can live there mm. because, uh, and actually the, the term extreme is, is, is linked to humans, you know, it's extreme for us. It is not extreme for this uh, organism because they are very well adapted to these conditions. So in some salaries, uh, there are some um, articles showing that there can be very good analogs for primitive life on Earth. So they can be analog of um, some moments in the, in the evolution of, 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 of the life. For example, the moment when cyanobacteria start to produce oxygen. This is a very important moment. It's called the... the um, grand, great oxidation event. So that there is one salar, salar de llamara, that has been proposed as a, one of the very good analog for, for that moment. And also, as you mentioned, there are some bacteria that using arsenic for their for energy, also sulfur, other all kind of uh, minerals, and that also show us the whole life you know uh, exists on Earth now in the present. How could be in the future? And also give us an idea of possible uh, metabolisms in, in other planets if the, if the life exists. So, um, and as well, I think we can learn a lot about that, a lot about the, the bacteria, how they're adapted to these conditions uh, and, and, and use this as application. You know, the, we can learn how they use the water 
for for the future you know one of one of the most uh, problematic things in the future is climate change and and the, the certification especially in chile chile will be one of the most affected countries for climate change and and, and one of the side project that we have is to found bacteria that can uh, help uh, to pr promote the growth of plants like bacteria that are already adapted to saline conditions so we can use this kind of bacteria to you know for the to help the growth of some vegetables that's that's fascinating so you have you know these these yeah these um maybe the horticultural but agricultural kind of uses and and you have in a sense the sense that um uh, the the Salah kind of offers a glimpse into the kind of deep history of, of mankind, but also its future and also the potential for life elsewhere in, in, in the universe. I think that's that's really fascinating there. It's a sort of, you know, dry run, uh, if you will, for kind of those 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 things. But I mean, I, I understand also that, you know, the, the environments you're looking at are incredibly fragile and, and, and you know, that they that there's a risk that, you know, say the lithium extraction which is increasingly going on in the Atacama could 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 affect them I kind of wonder if you if you could you know talk to us a, a bit about you know um, those industrial processes be it lithium be it water in, in copper mining how is how are these environments being affected by all this kind of uh, activity and and, and how uh, are people who, who live nearby being being affected as well mm -hmm. Well, as I mentioned before, Atacama is, is beyond the, an arid place, or just to say wasteland. Um, especially in the Altiplano, over 3,800 meters, there are several salares that are currently active. That means that they receive uh, fresh water, either from, from the snow melting or raining, now in the rainy season in, in the austral summer. So they, they also harbor a, a very diverse life beyond bacteria. Uh, of course, mammals, uh, reptiles, fish, and, and humans. So um, the main risk, uh, I think I, I would say in the past decade, was the extr direct extraction of water for copper mining. So there are some, uh, big mining company that use directly water from the salary for the production of the processes. So mm. now there are several salary that are uh, damaged, um, irreversible. So it's not possible to come back for the initial conditions at all mm. that's, that dry, basically. And the other uh, big risk uh, or threat is uh, lithium extraction. Because uh, at the difference of the copper that they directly use the water, Lithium extraction um, use the brines, and that is also that one of kind of a tricky definition. If the brines are water or not, that's usually is a conflict that the industry industry said and, and, and environment environmentalists say. Brine is salty water, so it's, it's water, sure. and 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 it's very complicated as well to to see what are the limits for sustainability. Because they are terminal ecosystem, they're not in, in geological words. You know that they, in the past there were big lakes that during the time have been evaporated, and uh, and it's not it's not easy the, 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 this quest to solve this question. It's not one side or the other. So that's why it's super important to see the the Salada Takama especially as a whole. You know what happened in one side probably is affecting the other side. It's not just what a specific company is doing. Mm. So that's been one of the problems because uh, they, they, all these projects have been approved separately, not with a, with a, with a complete vision. So uh, the amount of extraction is 
so high that you can see the evaporation ponds from the space. They are huge. So that's, that's the main problem. It's not, not just the extraction of some minerals. It's, it's the massivity of the, of the process. So mm -hmm. in, in short time, you have a lot of extraction of rinds, and that can produce a big effect. So some um, works show that comparing uh, satellite images from Landsat during the last 20 years, that the salar has been, been affected. Uh, the, the, the surface, the soil surface is more dry, is less humid. Also, uh, the, temp the surface temperature is high as well, that produces more evaporation. And probably if this continues like this in the future, uh, we will have more affectation. And also people um, are affected because they don't have uh, the, the, the same amount of water that they had before uh, for, the, for the agriculture and other activities. Mm -hmm. And another problem is, is, uh, is more related to the politics that the water rights, because in Chile is one of, I think it's the only country in the, in the planet that the water is private. So that's also produced a lot of conflict between the, the industry, the society, and, and, and local communities. Mm. So mm. yeah, we, we, are, we, are not, we are in a very difficult time for the salaries because um, the, the war you know, is asking for more lithium for, for electromobility and electric cars, and mm. the lithiums come from a place. And now Salada Atacama is one of the most important places for that. So the pressure is super high in other salaries. So now currently there are two or three projects uh, for exploration in other salaries located in the Atacama region. And there are also two uh, already approved in a salar called Salar de Maricunga that is just next to a, a national park. So um, we are in a very difficult time uh, for the salaries. And you know, there have been, yeah, I think, obviously opinion is is divided even amongst communities but there's certainly been many um leaders from atacameño or, or licanandai peoples who you know many of whom still practice traditional agriculture llama herding saying well listen you know are the plants and 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 trees which kind of we depend on are being affected can can we, can we draw a kind of link um a clear link from you know, lithium usage to impacts on vegetation and animals outside of the immediate area area of the of the salar are those kind of connections um, demonstrated yet, or, or or do we not kind of know yet the full the full impact that's kind of going on there on on those communities? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because the salar um, it's not only it's not only affected by lithium extraction, also for freshwater extraction by um, copper mining. There is one mine that, is, according to them, they stop the, the extraction, but there is another one that is still doing it. So it's complicated to separate the, the, the responsibilities and the effects. Mm. Because it's not just uh, related to the environment, there are also social practices that are uh, complicated. Some, some communities receive, uh, um, I don't know how to say, um, benefits from the from the company because of the trade that they have made, they have made in the past or they're not so it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a complicated area uh, san pedro de atacama and salar de atacama but uh, probably in the future this effect will be more clear yeah because uh, we we there are more studies also running now and, and more monitoring as well well that's that'd be very interesting to kind of to follow that and obviously there are similar concerns on on other sides of on the other side of the border with argentina and increasingly yeah. in 
Bolivia as well, which is exactly. supposed to be um, a big growth area for, for the lithium industry. Um, I think one thing you mentioned there was the, um, the sort of political element to, to all of these these discussions. Uh, I, I do want to to move on to that in a second. You talked about the 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 fact that under Chile's constitution, water is privatized, you know, which is quite a unique state of affairs. I mean, I kind of wondered, you know, to, to sort of zoom out a bit and, and, you know, think about the place of the Atacama and, and, and the, the north of Chile in, in the kind of Chilean imagination. Um, I think, you know, it might have been Vicuña McKenna who said that, you know, Chile's colonization of the Atacama was like Columbus's quote unquote discovery of the Americas. You know, it's this big project which as a nation we're going to embark on and and, and obviously that ignored the fact that people had lived in, in the desert for, for millennia beforehand, you know, the, the Inca had passed through, the, the Atacameños had been there, and Bolivia obviously had owned a large part of the Atacama um, until the late 19th century in the War of the Pacific. But I wondered, you know, did you think that mindset, that mindset still exists today, this sense of, you know, uh, the North is there and it's there to get our copper and our, and our lithium and, and to, you know, uh, sort of drop off the waste products and 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 that's it really you know it's a, it's it's kind of part of um uh chile's kind of you know um uh sort of resources resource base and 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 that's how people in santiago the kind of political elites business elites think of it do you think the attitude is still is still present today or or, or is that kind of viewpoint changing yeah, the, this vision is very well present. <laughs> um, usually, northern Chile is, is seen as an area where the most important thing is, is, is copper production. So, from 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 the economical point of view, um, I have the the luck to participate in some national commissions at a high level, especially related with science and technology. And I realize uh, how there is a lot of uh, unknown. Desconocimiento. A sort of uh, ignorance, I suppose, a lack of knowledge. Yeah, ignorance, yes, yes, lack of knowledge, exactly. Oh, ignorance about uh, people, diversity of people living here, of course, their problems and, and, and the, the history. Because, uh, um, they, as, as you mentioned, the, these territories were not Chilean in the past. So there was a whole process of Chilenization, you know, to, to bring the, the, the southern culture to here. So I also try to explain people sometimes, 18th of September is, is a, you know, the national day for Chile, but what does it mean for us? You know, a horse, when, when, when having horses here, or, or, or foods that, you know, that, that, that never grow here. <laughs> so um, so it's, it's, it's a complicated thing. And, 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 and yeah, um, first uh, or region, especially Antofagasta region, it's the second region in, the, in, in, the, in Chile that has the highest um, GDP. Mm. So, and it's, it's, it's just it's the second because uh, big companies, they pay the tax in Santiago. That right. is the reason. Otherwise, it would be the first. Mm. But to get this money back for, for investment in people, uh, we need to fight for them. We need to pr propose projects and, and, and you know, enter into a competition in all the other regions. And, and, and as a result, we have, uh, we have a lot of social problems related with um, uh, productive uh, processes, for example, pollution. 
they also have created areas that uh, so-called sacrifice zones that personally I don't I don't like this name because it's, it's, it's really stigmatized people and and, and for example Mejillones so nobody from Mejillones really choose to to be you know next to full of companies that produce uh, you know, thermoelectricals and sulfuric acid plants molybdenum plants and whatever and 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 people from Santiago don't have an idea about that they just receive the money basically they 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 just um, talk about um you know this year was very good for copper production or whatever big numbers and, and what, what happened with the people the people now is more ill the 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 is one of the, of the places in the country with the highest rate of cancer mm. uh, of lung cancer we just have a new hospital some some years ago but have to fight a lot for that but we don't have any specialized center for cancer, for example, for, for half a small one. So we don't have good uh, um, um, infrastructure as a as a we deserve as a you know as, as a basic thing. Um, what else? Uh, health, education, anything. So it's it's a lot of inequality, uh, and 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 it's a very paradox because uh, at the same time, for other side, at the same time that. He has an active mining uh, area. In the last year as well, they start to um, install a lot of um, solar panel plants, thermosolar um, thermo plants, you know, thinking in this uh, green economy or, or green mining, whatever, but in the same area. So in the same area, you have thermoelectrical, solar panels, and all kind of green things, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, and it's super paradox, have, have no sense. And people, of course, doesn't exist. They don't exist. They don't have very, very few chances to participate in the, in the decision that coming from Santiago, most of them. That's, that, that, that's really interesting to, to hear. I mean, I think obviously in the past year or so, we, we, we've seen this huge um, kind of social uprising really going on in, in, in Chile over social inequality and many other issues. Um, there was a lot of attention on, on Santiago, um, but I kind of wondered how this process of the past year has, has, has gone on in, in, in the north. You know, were there, were there large protests in, in Antofagasta and, and, and other cities? And, and what kind of demands do you think uh, people were, were, were making? Well, I think there are some basic demands for a whole country. And related to to um, to have um, better pensions because the system is, is terrible. When people finish to work and go to pension, they are poor. Mm. <laughs> they cannot maintain their the lifestyle with the money they receive. And because it's not soli not based on solidarity, it's based just on individualist uh, way of uh, saving money. Yeah. And public health quality, also education. Uh, good education for everybody, a lack of opportunities. Mm. And as well, uh, that uh, the concentration, uh, the, the only three comunas in, 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 the, in, the, in the metropolitan region have uh, political, economical, and cultural power. So that cannot be, because you have the same people thinking about the country without knowing what really happened in the country. Mm. So that produced a real disconnection with the rest of the territory. So that's why it's so important that people from the territory, uh, they, they uprise their demands directly because they're not the same. And, and, and also 
regarding the, the other question, uh, people from Santiago have an idea what is the north of Chile. What's an idea? What is the south? You know, it's it's, it's not real sometimes, mm -hmm. and 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 these ideas are, are usually wrong, and and they take very bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's that's why the uh, and but locally there is a um, a common feeling of injustice, of historical injustice. Um, because people work so hard and receive so little, and as well have very few opportunities, despite that we have universities, uh, research centers, but it's, it's, it's not enough, you know, for the, for the demands that people have. It's, again, uh, especially in the North, we are kind of far from, from Santiago, where it's uh, everything, uh, good hospital, uh, entertainment, uh, so we need to travel two hours in, in a plane to go to the doctor sometimes, yeah. uh, a good doctor, you know, because, uh, some, you know. So um, that are basically the demands for, for, for dignity. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fascinating, you know, some of the issues you talk about there are, are felt nationwide, and there are some parallels, I think, with, with the south of Chile, which obviously uh, has a very strong presence with the Mapuche indigenous people, and, you know, mm -hmm. Chile's largest indigenous group. But I think many people outside might not understand that, you know, there is also a very strong, uh, distinct culture in the north as well. And that's partly linked to that more Andean heritage, the presence of indigenous groups like the Atacameños, but also, as you mentioned earlier on, the I think the, the, the Salitreras, the, 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 that whole um, industry of, of nitrates, which brought, you know, Europeans, people from uh, the present day, well, from the Balkans, from people from, from, from England, um, and that left quite a strong cultural heritage as, uh, as well. Um, so there is this quite distinct um, regional identity. Um, and and, and, and you, you, you're obviously running to be part of this constitutional assembly, which um, uh, is going to convene, I think, from, from April this year to, to rewrite the constitution, uh, you know, which dates back to the, to the Pinochet era. I kind of wondered, you know, the, the movement you're, you're you, you, you've, uh, you've joined is the Movimiento Independientes del, del Norte. I kind of wondered, you know, what are, what are those kind of demands of, 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 of that group? And, and, you know, is autonomy and, and, you know, far greater kind of local powers, are those, are those on your kind of, you know, list of, of, of objectives? Mm -hmm. Well, um, one of the most important things is that, that the new constitution um, has very clear a uh, real decentralization and to give more autonomy to the regions because most of the decisions are taken in Santiago. So that's, that's how, how the things are. You know, we, we basically are only wait, always waiting what Santiago said for anything, even, even the small little things. So mm -hmm. that cannot be. And also, uh, it's, it's, it's a recognizement uh, um, battle as well, because uh, um, we need to show the, what we are talking about to, to the other people of, of, of Chile and say, you know, we're also worth it. We are also have needs. And we are part of this. And, and uh, we need more autonomy. We need also to take our own decision. We need our own money that we produce. So, and, and also more opportunities. Because if we extrapolate this, this, this idea of, of the centralism of the country, that not only happen in, in the subject I mentioned, health, education, also happen in science, that with my field, you know, almost 70% of the whole scientific research is, is, is made only in two universities, or 60%, in two universities in the country. 
So that also uh, produced that there is not enough knowledge for, for all the territories because it's, it's, we don't have the chance to, to do our own research. And that's why sometimes also we have lack of, of, of knowledge in, in, in our problems. We don't know why people get cancer or we don't know why, um, what happened with the salaries in the future. Now we have our own, our own question that we'll, we need more money basically and, and, more, and more capacities. So, um, so the constitution have to have, so that's very clear. And I thought it was common sense, but I realized that it's not. Uh, it's because uh, the centralism also is, is, a, is a cultural change. So people have to understand that the only way to, to, to see the future is uh, through the diversity. So we need to include people from the territory that think differently. That is the thing, the only way to, to build a new society uh, different from, from the neoliberalism that uh, the constitution of 1980 under Pinochet um, put it you know, in, a, in a very difficult social situation for, for many, many, many decades. Mm. Well, that, that's a really interesting vision of, of how centralism has affected you know, health, scientific research, even the very basis of knowledge about the country, you know, as you say, is concentrated and, and produced from, from, from the centre. That's, that's really kind of fascinating that. Um, and I, I kind of wondered, you know, um, what you, I think the common um, criticism or concern about this, this incredible um, process which Chile is embarking on is, is that, you know, people say, well, sure, Chile's system is, is, is unfair and, and, you know, it needs reform, but this process is, is you know, is, is too risky, especially after, you know, the pandemic and, and you know, what, what happens if we end up trashing the economy and, and turning the country, to use this, um, to coin the phrase, which often you see on social media, turn Chile into Chilezuela, you know. What do you make of, the, of those kind of um, concerns and, and those criticisms? You know, what would you say to people who, who were kind of worried about, about those risks? Another big concentration uh, in Chile is the media. Mm. So um, media is dominated by some, only some groups, uh, very well linked to economical groups. So sometimes they do predictions that uh, are not real. That, for example, in the, in the, in the election, uh, the, according to social networks, the, the, the rechazo no? will, will win in some mm. areas. And it was completely the opposite. In our region here in Antofagasta, the apruebo uh, in some communas was over 90%. Mm. So that means 90% of the, well, actually it was the highest at national level. So 90% of the people want a change of constitution and wanted to do it independent people from the political parties. Yeah. So they're really asking for a big change. And I think that would not be solved uh, at short time. I mean, if probably people uh, is not agree with the, with the result of, of this process, there could be another, you know, estallido or, or whatever, you know, it's, 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 we're already in a, in a transformation time and I think we need to be um, very responsible with, the, with, the, with this process and listen to people and, and, and take all their demands uh, to this, uh, Convención Constitucional, if this happens, yeah. Yeah, so you're saying, you know, you know, Chile needs to harness this incredible energy and this incredible support for change, and and you know, kind of ride that wave, really, because you know, the alternative isn't 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 great either, really. Um, 
I think people have nothing to lose. Yeah. And the situation sometimes is so bad, and especially now that in the pandemics, uh, people have to retire their, their pension money to leave. So some of them don't have any money say before for, for pension. So what is the future? There's no future for many people. So they have nothing to lose. The only, the, that's why it's so important this process. And that's why it's so important the political parties as well understand that uh, in, independientes or, or, or you know, people have to, they have to give the opportunity to people to participate in the process. Otherwise, um, it will be not, uh, not good consequences. Yeah, I think I think that's a really um, uh, powerful way of putting it, and I think that resonates in many other countries in the in the region and and, and across the world. Um, you know, you you you've mentioned just before we started recording that the um, the vaccine is starting to arrive in 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 Chile, uh, and um, you know there's there's a glimmer of hope around the corner. You know, when when things are starting to get back to normal and you're um, able to go back out into the field and and, and do research. What are your what are your priorities? Where where do you think you'll be kind of going first and and um, and working? Well, it depends because um, now I have uh, two weeks more to 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 have the the support to to be part of the of the election. Mm -hmm. So if I'm elected, um, I will be out of the of my active work for one year a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So if not, I'm coming back to the field <laughs> immediately. And oh, wow. it's, it's super difficult for a scientist, you know, to stop working. So I'm sure I will be writing papers anyway. But but in yeah, but uh, yeah. I I will have another big responsibility. So I'm very looking forward that everything goes well. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I'm sure politics will bring um, many many new different challenges. Um, um, and uh, but I hope you can keep. Uh, uh, researching and, and writing as well um, and um, I'll certainly recommend all of our, our, our listeners to to check out your publications and, and your excellent um, columns in La Tercera among, among others I think you've been published there um, but um, that's about all we've got time for so um, Christina Dorador thanks very much for your time and um, best of luck in the future. Thanks to you Lawrence. Thank you to Christina Dorador for that fascinating insight into her work in the Atacama Desert. It's always wonderful to hear the reflections of somebody so intimately acquainted with their surroundings and passionate about the development of a forgotten part of the world. Christina is on Twitter at C-R-I-O-R-D-O-R, -R -R, and if you follow the links in the show description, you can read more of her perspectives in her columns for La Tercera. All of those are in Spanish. You can follow Miradas on social media at MiradasPod. And for more information on ways in which you can support the podcast, our email address is info at miradaspodcast.com. And our website is www.miradaspodcast.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. As ever, we look forward to hearing from you. And next week, BBC correspondent Will Grant will be speaking to me, John Bartlett, about his new book, Populista, which looks at Latin America's 21st century strongmen. So until then, thank you and goodbye.